the birthday for Jesus is something the Gideons is sponsoring this year. Obviously, the Gideons don't have the opportunity because of COVID-19 to go around churches many times. So they're placing these in churches and asking each uh, person to take a, a, make a gift and a $5 gift. There's an ornament. It's a cardboard ornament just to remind you to pray for those at Christmas. And also, it allows you uh, to, uh, when you give the $5 gift, to place a Bible in a hotel or a Gideon placement somewhere around the world. Now, how many of you have ever placed, um, uh, know that you've placed intentionally a Bible? Have you put a Bible in a hotel? Anybody ever put one in? Raise your hand if you have. Well, the answer is if you've ever given to the Gideons, you have intentionally placed a Bible in a hotel or motel. You've placed a Bible somewhere around the world, and that's how the Gideons, obviously, uh, Christian business people, they come together. They give in place, but they also ask churches to come alongside because we are the ones to get the word out. Is that true? We want God's word to be out. And so, therefore, we, we support the Gideons through that. And those envelopes are available. They're available at the tables in the front and sides as you exit the church today. You can grab one by the mailboxes there. And as Mike mentioned, the, the Christmas mailbox was set up a long time ago because at this time of year, we as Southern Baptists also take up collection uh, for missionaries for around the world. We call it the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And instead of spending money on mailing each other um, envelopes uh, uh, with stamps on them, we actually just bring in, and if people want to exchange uh, cards, they can get a directory from the church and exchange through via the last name in the, the mailbox. You'll see the system right out here, just by last name, alphabetized last name, and check those, and you'll see you'll see the names Smiths, Joneses, whoever it might be. Take your envelopes. We ask you to check it every Sunday, every Sunday. You say, well, I won't have one. I don't know one knows me. You might be surprised and get, listen, if you get on the church directory, you can actually get in and tell Chris, hey, would you put me on the, uh, as a guest? We also have the directory mainly for members as well so we can actually communicate with one another. So it's a fun time to share cards. And then when the cards, let me ask you to do something this year as well. When you finish with your cards and you've hung them up on your refrigerator or whatever you've done with them, would you give them back to the church this year, unless it's a keepsake, we're going to cut the face off of them and actually use them in projects in our schools as well at Town Creek Christian Academy so we can reuse those beautiful um, ornate cards so we can use the fronts as, as decorations some of the projects the kids do. So if you would do that, we can recycle those and use them and be twice the blessing after you've received it because unless you keep them and put them under your bed, we don't want to take your property, okay? So if you sneak them under your bed and you got them for 25 years, um, then keep them by all means. Don't feel guilty. I've asked Mitchell, Derek, Mitchell, if you'd come. Mitchell's one of our students in the academy. They were challenged by their, by their teacher uh, to write poems, poetry, songs, and it was amazing this week to hear some of the work these students have done. And, and so I asked him, would he, be, would he come before you as a church, because you're his faith family, and just share his poem today uh, with us. It's, it's very focused on the baby in the manger, and, and um, I'll, I'll let him speak for himself, but I just... I'm encouraged that young people are actually having these thoughts about God. I'm encouraged that we get to support parents and, and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm encouraged that we have young people like this. And the music was incredible this week. So hopefully you'll hear from, maybe from Vashesh and Sarah Grace and the ones who actually wrote songs uh, during the Christmas season. We're going we're gonna to try to persuade them to come and share. Mitchell, if you would just share with us this morning. This is Mitchell's poem, and you can tell a little bit about it, how, you, how it came about and how you were challenged to write it. So this is a Hebrew poem, so it doesn't rhyme at the end. And the main focus is like to glorify God through the entire poem. And I wrote this in English class. So this is called The Baby in the Manger. Your face shines like the sun in its glory, for your glory is beyond all understanding. 
You're a wonderful, amazing, and magnificent. My Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer. As your body laid in the manger, did it not know that your strength is more powerful than a ferocious lion? You are stronger than all mankind. None can compare to your awesome might. Do they even know that you are the greatest gift of all? That you would lay down your life for the sinners, the lost sheep, and your children? You are more precious to me than gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Is the adorable little baby savior of the world. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Mitchell's got a heart of servitude when he, when he serves in the back with the sound system. He serves at school. We're very encouraged by what his, obviously his parents are doing at home, but how we get to come alongside and, and just mentor and be a part of that youth group, uh, a mentor in his life and also the school. And we're just thankful that Mitchell, thank you very much, Mitchell, um, for doing that for us today. And we made him take that ugly Georgia sweatshirt off before he came up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mr. Derek said, you're not going to wear the ugly thing up in the pulpit, are you? So uh, that was Mr. Derek that uh, he told him to, um, to take that ugly thing off. I said, I like your Hawaiian shirt. So we, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. We are blessed. Take your Bibles today, if you would, and turn to the, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to transition out of Acts for the next four weeks. We're going to talk about the Christmas story. Do you get excited at Christmas still? Five of you do. do you, does anyone else get excited about Christmas? Because Christmas, unfortunately, has turned into gift-giving, and, and we want to do that because Jesus uh, was a gift from God. It's turned into lights and decorations, and this year, Christmas is, is a little bit strained, is it not? Uh, budgets have been strained, and, and uh, life is changing, and, and I kind of like it because we're getting back to what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about Jesus, and we're going to see in the Word today how God had a plan, and, and God, uh, simply the sermon today is sent by God, and you're going to see several people in the story that have been sent by God on purpose to bring about salvation. And, and as Derek mentioned, the, the prophets spoke of the coming Messiah, the coming Savior, and the prophets said He's coming, and even told us what town He's coming from, and, and told how He would come, and told us what the purpose was, and then we see today as we read the scriptures and we'll see through the month of December how the scriptures were fulfilled because when God says it, guess what church? It's going to happen. When, when God wills something to happen, it's going to happen no matter what. He'll use circumstances. He can, he'll use this party against this party or with this party. He'll use mankind. He'll use angels. He'll use animals. He'll use anything he wants to get done to have his purpose done. Amen? God is a God of order. And I want you to see this today as we look into the gospel. Derek mentioned that I, that I was saved, and I was saved around Christmas because I grew up in the church, and I'd made a profession. I'd said some things when I was a kid. I was baptized. My dad was a heavy gospel preacher, isn't that right? And it was every Sunday, every meal, every time with devotions, and, and I had a habit of falling asleep during devotions. Now, to love Scripture, I want to encourage you not to do this. We got spankings for falling asleep in devotions sometimes, did we not? Wake up! And it was so boring because it was King James. And by the way, the King James Bible is a great Bible, but it's written on the 11th grade reading level. Just so you know, I don't know where you are in your reading level, but if you read the King James, which is a great Bible, and I love the King James Bible, I read from it, but it's on the 11th grade reading level, so that's why some people say, I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand that Bible, so I don't read it. Well, you do understand the King James. Let me just go ahead and show you how you do understand it so we can get it clear, so we have clarity between us. The means what? I love thee, O Lord. What does that mean? I love you, God. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What does that mean? Your word, you, right? So when people say, I don't understand all the these and thous, 
That's just a password for them to say, I don't want to read the Word of God. You can go back and find out what it's saying. But it is on an advanced reading level. The NIV, when it came out, they reduced it down to the seventh grade reading level. So if you love your NIV Bible, don't, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. I have an NIV as well. I have multiple copies of different Bibles. And if you have an NIRV, that's on the fourth grade reading level. So what are we doing to the Word of God? Well, we're trying to actually get it to the place that where people can actually read it in their own language, right? Because my dad was always about the King James 1611 only. Now, church, none of you have ever seen a King James 1611, I dare say, unless you've been to a conference. I've got a copy. Mine says 1611, but I read a 1611. I was like, what translation is this? I asked the curator of the, all the books when I was at this conference. I said, what, what translation is this? I, I can't make heads or tails of it. He said, that's the King James 1611. It was, it was printed sometime in the 1700s. I'm like, that's not like my King James. He says, because you don't speak the language. I can understand mine, and of course today we have the Bibles and the pews in front of you, the New King James Bible. It's very similar, and there's some words. What I like about the New King James, it capitalizes when it's talking about God. When it's a proper name for God, it's capitalized, and sometimes you get lost in the he's, who, which he is, is the Bible talking about. Well, today it's not hard to see this. I want you to look into Luke chapter 1, and verse 26 is where we'll begin. But I was searching when I was a young man because I was... Angry, I was fighting, I was in the Navy, I was ready for a good fight any time of the day. And I made a deal with God. I fell off a ship at nighttime in stormy seas in the Caribbean. Survival swimming kicked in, I was, I was rescued by the rescue team. I came back on the ship, and then when I came home, I told Wendy, I said, I'm going to start going to church. And she said, okay. Wendy nor myself were Christians, true Christians at the time. We'd been baptized, and she was a member of a bigger church, and I was a member of a smaller church, but no true commitment to Christ. It was just a, it's what we did because it's what we were required to do or what was expected of us by our families. And I went to church, and I went to a small country church, and some of you heard my testimony, and a small country church on Battlefield Boulevard, Emmanuel Baptist Church, and I walked in, and the preacher said, well, today I'm supposed to be preaching about something, but God's changed my message, and I'm preaching about hell. And it made me angry because I knew that's where I was going. And I didn't want to hear it. I got up, walked out of the church service. I got home back to our apartment. And Wendy said, church ever so soon? I said, no. A bunch of old people smell like Ben Gay in that church. I mean, every excuse, right? I didn't tell her the truth. I told her I was blaming everybody else. So I, she said, well, you didn't keep your word. And I said, I know. Next Sunday came. I was still in port. I went down to a bigger church about our size. And I, I walked in the back door. And I sat down. And I was like, okay, I, I'm like some of y'all. This is a comfortable place to hide. No one's going to talk to me. Uh, I don't look like everybody else in the church, so they will, they'll know I'm, they won't shake my hands or make me sit. If they stand, when they, I'm going to stand with them. If visitors have to sit, you know, sometimes churches you say, if you're a guest, just remain seated. We're going to shake your hand. That's the most gross thing ever, I thought. I was like, I'm not going to. They make me sit. I'm going to stand up. So it was all the welcome got done. We sang songs, and the pastor said, you know, he was a very quiet pastor, and he said, today, I don't know who needs to hear this, but God changed my message. I'm not preaching in the book of John. God's put a controversial subject on my heart. I'm preaching for somebody today. I'm preaching about people going to hell. <laughs> I got up out of that church. I walked out, got back home, and went to like, church ever so soon? I was like, no. A bunch of rich people down in that church. They think they're better than everybody else. And I, and I had an excuse because I was running from God. When I finally settled in my heart, I will actually settle one more time. I went back to the church on Battlefield Boulevard, Emmanuel Baptist. It was around Christmas, and the preacher preached from Isaiah 9-6. And he said, let me ask anybody. And I was sitting right back where Richard sitting. You know, my dad always told us to sit down front with your mother. Sit in the front. Mom sat in the back, right? 
Anybody, everybody just do this real quick, just for a survey. Everybody point to the front doors of the church. Point to the front steps of the church. So point to the front pew of the church. Richard's sitting on the front pew. Preachers preach from the back of the church. So I'd sit back there and I'd get in trouble for sitting back there because I was sitting in the first seat, right? I was a little sarcastic kid sometimes. I went back into the church, I sat down, and the pastor preached about this passage. Do you need peace in your life? His name is Prince, he's the Prince of Peace. And I did. God was fighting constantly. Do you need a wonderful counselor you can talk to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, who will keep everything confidential, who will give you exact advice that you need, and who will be there to see you through? He's up 24 hours a day. You need to talk to him, he's available. Then you come to the place, do you need a mighty God? And I'm like, I love powerful things. Do you want an everlasting father? So that Sunday, I, I couldn't hold on. I was literally let go, and I walked forward, and I said, hey, I want what you're talking about. He says, you probably know about it. You grew up in the church. His name is Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus? I didn't know that. So I went to turn. He says, listen, you're going to walk away from Jesus today. You will turn and walk away. You will either accept him today or, listen, young man, if you walk away from here, since you've come down here, and you reject him, I believe you'll never come to Christ the rest of your life. Turn back to him. What do I need to do? And he was a rough preacher. You need to get on your knees and pray. He didn't, he didn't help me through it. He made, give, made me get down on the altar and pray, but he prayed with me. And tell God my sins, confess my sins, and receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Never been the same since then. You can ask my wife, proof, proof positive. Listen, I'm still messed up. I'm still a sinner saved by grace, but I, listen, I'm saved by grace. Amen? And so when we read this story, this never gets old for me when I read the story where Mary was obedient, where God sent Gabriel. This story never gets old to me because this is when my Savior came to the planet. Let's read together verse 26. Now in the sixth month, of the angel Gabriel was sent by God. And note in your Bible, he was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was, what's her name, church? Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. <laughs> Do you think you would if you saw an angel? There was a man, and every time an angel appeared in the Bible, he didn't have these huge wings that we talk about at Christmas. He appeared as a man dressed in white. You'll never see a woman ever in the Bible, angel. Just for, Sorry, ladies, but you won't see a woman. You'll see a, a being with wings like a stork in Zechariah chapter 5, but she represents wickedness. So the, the angels that we top our trees with many times, the glowing robe and a woman with big wings, in the Bible that's a representation of wickedness or evil. Every time we see an encounter with the Bible, that we see an angel, we see a man appearing. He looks in the appearance of man. He talks like men. He actually eats. The, the, the angels can actually eat like men. They'll eat with Abraham, and, and they'll, they'll go with Lot down to Lot, and they'll actually... They'll cause blindness. The one angel killed 185 or 186,000 men at one time. They'll fight for God. They're the messengers, the spiritual messengers of God. So Gabriel was sent by God, and he says when he'd come in. So she was obviously inside a building somewhere, and he tells her to rejoice, and she's perplexed about this. Verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son, and shall call his name, what's his name, church? Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, or the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, how long? Forever. 
forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? She's never had intimate relationships with a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest or most high will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he transitions here in verse 36. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month of her who is called barren. Church, if you remember everything this season with the pandemics, with the elections, with everything that's going on in our nation and around the world, verse 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. Amen? Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want you to see a couple things today if you go to your notes because your notes are important because we talk about the Christmas story and we jam in the wise men, we jam in the shepherds, we jam in the angels with wings, we jam, we jam in all kind of things that we've created so that we can soften the blow of the Christmas story. Is that true? Don't you love it? Hobby Lobby, if you go to Hobby Lobby or you go anywhere, we crowd in everything. It's, everything's for sale. Buy everything and stick it in the, in the stable, right? And the stable was probably more like a cave, and the manger was a food trough. This was not a pleasant place for a child to be born. We've made it a nice, gentle sleep in heavenly peace, right? We've made it a nice, soft Christmas story. This is the, probably the most rugged Christmas uh, birth story, if you want to talk about the story of Christmas. And by the way, show with your kids, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. That's not his birthday. Sorry if, I, if you think that is. That's true. That's actually when we celebrate his birthday. Do you understand that? Because I used to think December 25th was his birthday, and I would fight you for it. That's Jesus' birthday. But that's actually when we celebrate his birthday. And we understand that better now, especially in our culture, because our kids might have a birthday on this Saturday, but we can't get around to having a party until next Friday, right? But it's still their birthday when they were born. Jesus was born. We just don't have an exact date. But we celebrate his birth December 25th. Around the world, the world celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ. Look in your notes. The wonderful news of our Savior coming to earth is presented to us in his holy scriptures. We marvel at the price Jesus paid to come to earth to save us from our sins. Do you really marvel? I did. When I wrote that, I shouldn't have said we. I should have said me. I do. Do you marvel at the Jesus' coming? What did he come for? In Matthew, it tells us his name shall be called Jesus because he came to save his people from their sins. And when we're saved from our sins, what happens? Of that eternal kingdom that he talks about, we're forever part of that. We're, I can never be unsaved. I can never lose my salvation because the Bible says, For God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his only begotten son. That's the coming of Jesus at, at Christmas. And that's, listen, Jesus himself is quoting that, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. How long is everlasting life? It's everlasting then Paul goes on to write in Romans 8, chapter, 35, chapter, 8 verses, chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, what can take me or separate me from the love of God? And he lists all these different things, and he said, I'm persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. But church, listen today, I'm, I'm confident, I'm persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. He said, well, Pastor, what if I get into my favorite kind of sin? Well, you've got to go to Galatians chapter 5 for that, don't we? The Bible says the, the flesh wars against the spirit. There's a war that's going on constantly. And if you practice, and it has a list of sins, if you practice such sins, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You say, well, I can't stop doing it. Yes, you can. The only person that can stop it is you. Amen? You and the Lord. Come to the place that you read the word of God for truth. And then he says, how to live in the spirit. 
He tells us how to love one another. He tells us how to actually live in this life. I want you to look at your notes, and you might get a, a run-on sentence here when you get into this. We see God sending angels, people, and even His Son. How grateful we should be. I should have put that in a, We must be, but we should be. Point number one, once you look at your notes, God allows us to look into His specific plans. Is that true? At a specific time, with a specific place, to a specific woman, God sends a specific angel with a specific message. Do you think our God is specific? You might want to write the word specific and just draw into all the blanks. I did that on purpose. I want you to see in Mary's life, God was specific. Even in the created angel, Gabriel, God was specific. With Joseph, God was specific. And many times people talk to me and they say, Pastor, I just wish I knew the will of God for my life. I want to tell you God is very specific with his will. Is that true? It's often just crickets in the house because you struggle with God's will. You're not Mary, and there's never going to be another virgin who's going to give birth, just for the record. There is no immaculate conception. Our Roman Catholic friends teach that Mary continually, perpetually stayed a virgin the rest of her life. They exalt her to a place that she should not be exalted to. She was a sinner who was in need of a Savior. Did you know that? Mary had to receive, she's going to give birth to the Savior, and then later she'll have to receive the Savior as her Lord and Savior. Does that sound weird? But does that sound like God's specific plan? Either we believe his word or we don't. And I'll show you what Mary says about that later when we get over to verse, I'm going to jump over to verse 46 and 47 in the chapter later on. But God had a specific plan. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to visit Mary. This was God's method. Today, if an angel, people say, well, I had a vision of an angel. An angel stood right there and spoke to me. They need to read Hebrews chapter 12, didn't they not? Does God send angels today? Listen, the angels are all around us. Hebrews 13 tells us, be careful to do good deeds. I think at Christmas time, especially when you help somebody in need, the Bible says, be careful, do good deeds to those, because in doing so, some of you have helped angels and didn't even know it. Unawares is what the Bible says. But Hebrews chapter 1 says, in times past, God spoke through prophets. He spoke through various ways at various times, but in these last days, he's spoken to you, and he spoke it to me through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is but one way to be saved. There is but one name to bow our knee to and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no other way. You can't give yourself to heaven. You can't give yourself away to heaven. You can't give all your riches. You can't give your life. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven except receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Is that a truth based on the Word of God? Yes, it is. He came to this world to save his people from their sins. Are you one of his people? Well, watch what Gabriel does. Gabriel greeted, he, Gabriel even acts like a man. He greets Mary and commanded her to rejoice. <laughs> what typically happens in the Bible when a human encounters an angel? John did it. We see it back in Abraham did it. Typically they, they fall to the ground and, and start to worship. And if it's an angel that's not in the Old Testament, there's this thing called pre-incarnate. Do you know what that big word is? You ever heard of a carnivore? What does a carnivore eat? Meat or flesh. So pre-incarnate simply is a big word that preachers talk about is before flesh, God appears, Jesus appears in the Old Testament. And what I like about the New King James, if you see it, the angel of the Lord appeared, and if it's a capitalized A, it's referring to a pre-incarnate Jesus. It's an appearance of Jesus Christ. But after his birth, we're going to see that he came in flesh and dwelt among us. There is no more appearing, if you will, of angels. And if you have an angel that flutters by, 
with wings, there's this new crazy thing that preachers are teaching and people are talking about that they know there's a piece of God in the place because they found a feather. Y'all, it's just, check it. Check it for yourself. There's churches that are having gold dust fall from the heaven and they say, we're in the presence of God. And they shout and they sing until the gold dust stops. And it's right under the ventilation system. Do you think that's a manipulation of God's people? Somebody's going to answer heavily for that, for putting gold dust in the doggone ventilation system and turning the air on. It's a fraud is what it is. It's like so many things in our world today, it's tricks. And by the way, if angels don't necessarily have feathers and they appear on earth, has anybody ever seen a recording of an angel in the Bible with feathers? Except for cherubim that are in heaven have four, and seraphim have six. I remember S for seraphim, S for six. They have six wings. They're unique creatures. Cherubim have four wings. They're unique creatures. But every time you see an angel appear on the earth, that angel appears as a man. There is no feathers to leave behind. Do you understand? Look look on Google for yourself. Type in dust from heaven. Type in feathers from heaven. And people are preaching and saying that, no, everything's good because there's a feather left behind. Zechariah chapter 5, I told you the only place I found in the Bible with a woman with feathers, wings like a stork, that woman we used to have on our Christmas tree. She was from, uh, when I was a kid, I used to look up to her, she had golden hair. She was a representation of the devil. My whole life we had a devil on the tree, Mom. Did you know that? <laughs> and if, listen, if an angel is a spiritual being, can an angel leave a feather? If they do have wings, can they leave a physical feather? A spiritual being does not leave physical evidence. Church, y'all understand that? I'm telling you, go look it up. You, will believe, you won't believe it. It's being taught from church to church to church, and it makes you feel good that you can say there was an angel in our presence because that means God sent them because they're messengers of God. But I want to tell you, listen, it's a fraud that people are playing upon other people's hearts and, and trust. It's a fraud. There are no feathers. Angels aren't chickens. They're not chickens. And most of the feathers, if you look out, I was going to show you a couple weeks ago. I was on the front porch, and Julian walked out and said, Brother, what are you looking for, Pastor? I said, I'm looking for some feathers because I'm going to drop them here and see who wants to actually pay me for that feather because I'm going to say it's a feather from heaven. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I read online. These churches, are, they're finding feathers in their bedrooms. They're finding feathers in the, in the foyer. They're finding feathers all over the place. I just said, listen, what is the deal? They have a bird problem in their church, amen? <laughs> Somebody's walking them in on their feet or there's a bird nesting in the house. Angels don't drop feathers. Listen, Gabriel was not an angel who dropped feathers. She saw him, but listen, he said, he told her very clearly when he came to the place. He greeted her and said, rejoice. He told her she'd found favor by God. What she really means, if you go back to the Greek, means you found much grace. You found much grace in the favor in the eyes of God. How do you find much grace in the eyes of God? You find much grace in the eyes of God. One, because you didn't do anything to deserve it. But he's not looking for those wretched, old, unrighteous people to say, oh, let me come up. He cleans us up. Yes, he does. But Mary was living righteously. Mary was one who said, let it be to me. I'm a virgin. I don't even know how this is going to happen. But listen, if you said it's going to happen, I believe you because you're from the Most High. God's looking for those people who are ready and willing to do his will. But if you're living in sin today, listen, there's no way he's going to knock on your door and ask you to do anything for him. His first thing is, listen, if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that true? This is what the Word of God says in John chapter 1, verse 9. Verse John 1, 9. So Mary was a righteous lady. And the Bible says, listen, when Gabriel came in, it says, listen, much grace is upon you. 
God's, listen, unmerited grace. Listen, you don't deserve it. But God chose you, Mary. And today, listen, here's the message I have for you. And what I want to show you. Mary reversed and said she was greatly perplexed. And she wondered what kind of greeting was this. Till Gabriel was a masculine sense, right? He said, rejoice. Much favors upon you. And she's like, what? She's, she's doing her own work, minding her own business. She was greatly perplexed. Gabriel spoke again to Mary and commanded her not to be afraid. Then he shared, I put shares, but shared with her God's master plan. He told her what was going to happen. Church, I want to tell you today, listen, if you're looking for the will of God in your life, if you truly search after him, the Bible says everyone who draws near to God, he draws near to them. Go back and look at James chapter 4 for yourself. You say, well, the devil's on my back. I can't get away from all this devil. It's because you're entertaining the devil. When you invite him to your parties or you go to his parties, guess what? He's always there. When you're always messing in his business, you're gossiping, murmuring, he's always amongst the murmurers and the gossips. Did you know that? He's always there. So if you don't want to mess with the devil, don't talk to the devil, and don't, listen, don't RSVP to his parties and say you'll be there. Amen? This time of Christmas season, how many people will have parties and have drunken parties to celebrate Christmas? God forbid. Don't go to those parties. Don't be a part of that sinful lifestyle. If you want to be near to God, draw near to him. And the Bible says you resist the devil and draw near to God. And every time that you resist the devil and you draw near to God, the devil can't come close. The Holy Spirit's like, I don't think so. And when you're in God's presence, listen, when you're protected by him, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives in me and around me. Satan can't beat the devil. It's not God versus Satan. Satan, like Gabriel, was a created angel. He just sinned. If God wanted to stop Satan today, listen, and we don't know all the reasons why not, could God just take out Satan, yes or no? He could. He's all-powerful. Satan's just a micro-angel, very powerful angel, but he's way down here. He's way below God's power. He's evil. He's opposite of God, but he's the opposite power of God. Remember that when you go through your tough times, when you go through those seasons of stress. God, listen, the devil is not equal to God by any means or measure. Watch what Gabriel shared. Let me share this with you. Gabriel shared this. You will receive, conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son. Not a daughter, but you will conceive. That don't make any sense, does it? Naturally, this makes no sense. But what is kind of awesome is God uses the natural way of birth because he could have just sent Jesus down as king of kings. Is that true? When he come out, right? He made us. He can take us away. Is that true? He could have come as some supernatural tall being and just bow to me. That's not how he did. He didn't want robots. He wanted people who loved him. He, he, he made us. And, and have you ever asked that question I have when I was a kid and even as I'm an older man? Why didn't God just kill the devil and just make me love him? Scientists are doing that today, and robotic engineers are doing that today, aren't they? They're making robots. He gives you free will. He wants you to love him and demonstrate your love for him because you truly love him. Not because someone told you to, not because someone made you to, not because it's obligated to do that. He wants you to love him just because you love him. You want to appreciate what he did for you. You will conceive naturally in your womb, and bring forth the supernatural son who is the Savior. Isn't that amazing? You shall call his name, the church that we already said it, his name is 
Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 1 with me. Can you buzz over there with me real quick? The first gospel. Matthew chapter 1. I'll read just a portion. Verse 21. Matthew 1, 21. When you're there, say amen. This is the angel talking to Joseph. It says this, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I have this underlined and marked, double marked, highlighted in my Bible. Why? Because I believe it, church. I believe he came to save us from our sins, not just so we could have some cool things to sing at, at December 25th, not just so we could have some nice lights on a tree, not just so we could celebrate with food with family. I believe he came to save his people from their sins. And by the way, church, I'm one of his people. Amen? I'm one of his people. Verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated. What is it translated, church? God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took him, his wife. And he did not know her intimately, that's what that means, until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. He was obedient to what the angel told him to do. The heavenly messenger said, God said this. The earthly receiver said, I'll do it. So you got a righteous Joseph saying, yes, I'll be obedient, take her as my wife. And you have a righteous Mary receiving the commands of God going, how in the world is this going to happen? Now, we still don't know how, right? When, you, when Gabriel's going to tell her, but we still don't, we can't appreciate it fully. I, I can't. Maybe you're smarter than I am, but how does the Holy Spirit come upon a woman and put Jesus Christ in her womb? It's powerful. But he had to come in flesh. Remember, he had to come incarnate because the prophet said so. It was God's specific plan for that specific woman at that specific time. And the prophets even let out that he was going to be from Bethlehem, so it had to be a specific place. All that had to happen 600, 700 years before he was even born on earth. And by the way, Jesus didn't have his beginning there in Bethlehem. He always has existed, and I'll show you in just a moment in John chapter 1. What else did Gabriel share with her? He shared this. Number three, he would be great and be called the Son of the Most High. Number four, the Lord would give him the throne of his father David. He had to come through the lineage of David. Number five, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And number six, there will be no end to his kingdom. And I said in my notes, this should bring believers great joy. Do you get excited about that? All these tough times we're going through in this life. When you die and see Jesus Christ face to face, the Bible says there is no end to his kingdom. Let's try, let me try that again. If you're, some of you aren't Christians. That's why you're like, oh, I can't say amen to that. <clears throat> There's no end to your torment, by the way, if you're not a Christian. You're either going to be in the kingdom rejoicing with God or you're going to be in hell burning forever, wishing you would have accepted Jesus Christ. There's a payday someday. Is that, tr is that tr true? But listen, there is no end. And I wrote in my notes, this should bring believers great joy. Does that bring you great joy to know that Jesus Christ, if you're in him, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no end to his kingdom. That makes me excited and I want to give him a hand clap of praise. Amen? Me and who else? Listen, because why? It is he who made us. It is he who saved us. It is he we celebrate. Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we celebrate. Jesus is the reason that we have this promise of eternal life. Well, Mary, like us as humans, she interrupted with a question. The question was complex to her. This question that, listen, she's going to ask this mind-blowing question. But it was very simple to Gabriel. 
She asked, how? She was a virgin. How is this going to happen to me? Not why or why me? It's not fair. Me and Joseph had a plan. We were going to get married have 5.5 kids, and we were going to do all this. But now, Lord, you've asked me to do this thing. And everybody in town is going to think that I've cheated on Joseph. Is that true? Because later in Scripture, there will be some Pharisees that come to him and says, We know who our father is. They make fun of him later, of Jesus Christ, saying, We know who our daddy is. Inferred, do you? Because Joseph just had to marry Mary because she was pregnant. It's inferred later on. They mock him. Gabriel comes back and shares these four things. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One, pure and sinless, I put that in your notes, will be called the Son of God. And then he throws this in, as we talked about as we read the scripture. Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age and is six months pregnant. What does this have to do with the price of beans in China? Why, Lord, did you put this in the word of God? It's just you're telling Mary what to do, you're telling Mary what to do, you're telling Mary what to do, and all of a sudden you tell us about Elizabeth, that she's barren, she's old, and she conceived a, she's conceived a son. She's six months pregnant. Finally, number four, with God, nothing will be possible. Well, why does Elizabeth figure in? Go to John chapter 1. We need to read this together. Why does Elizabeth figure in? Let's read this together. When you're there, say amen. John, the gospel of John chapter 1. John sets it up. This is the, this is John the apostle writing about John the Baptist. Make sure you get your Johns right on this, in this case, right? So here's what he writes. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, by the way, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's powerful, isn't it? Let me read it this way. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was and is God. Kingdom Hall friends put a little A right there, a little G right there. It says Jesus was a God. Any manipulation of Scripture, listen, is misleading you from Scripture. That's Satan's intent. Every time that actually we come to the place and have a truth in the Word of God, People want to manipulate the scripture so to take you far away from the truth. Brother Adrian corrected me and said, don't call them Jehovah's Witnesses anymore because that's who we are. We are Jehovah's Witnesses, aren't we? They're just kingdom hall meters, and I don't call it a church. I don't call the Mormons a church either. It's a place where they gather. Let's keep reading. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You say, what are we reading? Let's go to verse 6. Watch this. This is what Gabriel told Mary about Elizabeth. There was a man sent from God. Here's another one sent. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. We call him John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. This is Elizabeth's baby boy. This is Elizabeth's sweetheart right here. He was not that light, verse 8, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen? This is what Jesus was born by the will of God, and you and I are born, are born again by the will of God. You have life because God gave you life. That's why we're pro-life, because God's pro-life. That's why abortion is murder today, church. Listen, 
We need to speak it to our representatives, to our senators, to everyone who will listen. Abortion is simply murder. And our first response is, well, you mean in every case? In every case, abortion is murder. God is sovereign over all. When people sin, listen against God, we know that sinful things happen. But you must be born of your mother the first time Jesus talked about. And then he said, you must be born again, is what he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he said, how can I be born again? And the mother's womb is actually at point again. Where did the Holy Spirit, where did he place, if you will, Jesus Christ in Mary's womb. Nicodemus asked a sarcastic question. I'm an old man. You mean i got to be born again? Can I go back into my mother's womb? The answer is absolutely not. And Jesus says, listen, I'm trying to tell you things, Nicodemus, that are spiritual. And you're being sarcastic or unbelieving the way that you're talking back to me. He, he says this. Even where the wind blows, you don't even know. I'm, I tell you spiritual things and you're trying to make them a physical thing. I tell you, you must be born again. It is the work of the Spirit of God. Today, church, listen, we come to the place that we understand about Jesus. I want you to see what Mary did. What, is, what does she do in those last verses? Mary submitted to the Word of God and agreed to her calling in life. And Gabriel departed. Gabriel couldn't leave until Mary said yes. Why? Because God said, you go down and you tell Mary. Did he have to convince her? Well, yeah, but she says, wait a minute. I'm perplexed. How does this happen to a young teenage girl? I'm a virgin. Gabriel explains it to her, and Mary says very clearly, listen. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I don't want to leave without reading this passage today. If you go to verse 46, this is called in my Bible the Song of Mary. It's when Mary is praising the Lord. She's already visited her cousin Elizabeth. She's found out about, she's pregnant with John the Baptist. She's six months ahead of her. If anybody would understand, what do you ladies do? You ever go to your sisters or your cousins or your aunts when you got a problem talking about stuff? Or to your mamas or grandmas? Well, that's, listen, Mary, I think she talked to Joseph very well. Hey, Joe, I'm, six, I'm pregnant. What? He's like all of us. If you go back and read Matthew chapter 1, he's like, yeah, right. It's a spiritual pregnancy. God put something physical in your stomach, okay, in your womb. Y'all, he was like us. Men, he was like us. But God sends her, tells her about Elizabeth, and if anybody she can talk to, Elizabeth either was her cousin or her aunt, and she rushes to her, and she tells her. And when she comes in the door, what happens? Elizabeth says the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist, flipped in her stomach. That was the first, listen, the first person to praise the Lord was a preborn baby. Inside the mother's womb, he rejoiced. He flipped, and she says, blessed are you. She, she pronounces another blessing. Gabriel pronounces a blessing from God. Elizabeth pronounces a blessing from God. And then watch what Mary says. And Mary said, verse 46, said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my... What does your Bible say? Wait a minute. Where's the Savior currently? Mary's still in the Old Testament times because the New Covenant hadn't come. But where's the Savior of the world? In her womb. She's celebrating God, her Savior, who she's carrying for the next nine months. She had to come to the place and receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior as well, even though she, he was physically her son. Greater than her son, 
He was the son of the Most High God. She comes to the place and said, For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done me great things for me. And holy is his name. And you can go on and read everything else that she says. She comes to the place and she says, Listen, it's God who did it. It's God who receives the glory. It's God who saves me. So our Roman Catholic friends today, they come to the place, they pray to Mary, uh, they, they talk about a rosary, they'll, they'll exalt Mary, and some, even Mother Teresa, there was a report, as much work as she did well, that she wanted to make, make Mary the fourth part of the Godhead. God forbid, Mary was just a vessel God used. There's no more Marys like this, there's no more, listen, supernatural births like this one, because there was a one and done. He was born one time, he lived a sinless life one time. He died on a cross for your sins and mine one time. He was buried in a borrowed tomb one time. And he rose again from the grave one time. Listen, he, lived, he lives forevermore. He sits on the throne of God forevermore. And he saves every wretched soul who would turn their heart and life toward him. All, the Bible says even put it in the scriptures, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's you, and that's me. That's the person living deep in sin or the people in the shallow end of sin. You say, well, I'm not so bad. You're still a sinner. If you sin one time, you've done all sins. The Bible says you've broken all the commandments of God. If you're a vulgar sinner, listen, he knows that as well. He died for all sinners on that cross. Whosoever will may come. That's the story of Christmas. Any one of us could come to him and say, Lord, thank you. I want you to forgive me my sins and come into my heart and my life and change me forever so that I might live with you forever. But I can live here now for Jesus Christ and I can live hereafter with Jesus Christ. Glory to his name. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, we cannot appreciate fully what you've done for us. We thank you that you sent the angel Gabriel, but he was just a messenger. We thank you that you sent Mary out to carry the Savior, but she was just a vessel. We thank you that you sent John the Baptist to be a preacher and saying, he's forewarning the world, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And even that blessed day that he announced, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you for using all three of those created beings, an angel, a woman, a man. But Father, I thank you don't stop there. We thank you that you sent your only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him, Lord, we, we will not perish but have everlasting life. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for saving my soul. I thank you for Christmas, Lord, that we celebrate. It's not just warm feelings and presents and gifts and lights. But, Lord, it's a message to everyone who listens who listens online, who listens afar off, who listens in our hearts here presently, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Father, would you break our hearts this Christmas season that we would see Christmas is not just about all the stuff, all the noise that's outside of here, but Lord, it's about a personal relationship. It's a one-on-one -on -one gift. You gave Jesus that we might be saved. Lord, I pray many people would give their wretched hearts and souls this Christmas to receive 
the full renewal in life that you bring. New creation, new gifts of life, new purposes, new wills. And Lord, you restore all things. We need you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.